0: This is Podco Media Networks. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I'm Ed Everts, and I'm the founder of Excelius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. In my many years in corporate America and 11 years as a leadership coach, every colleague and client, and I do mean every colleague and client I have worked with, have either not said something that needs to be said or not done something that needs to be done. And there are impacts to this lack of action impacts to their career, impacts to their progress, impacts to their confidence. I use the word confidence purposefully as I believe one of the factors affecting their ability to make progress professionally is bravery. So we are chatting with folks who either have not said what needs to be said or done or have said what needs to be said or done and the impact that both of these activities have had on their careers. Certainly for folks who have not said something that needs to be said or not done something that needs to be done, the impact on their careers are significant and we wanna help them by coming up with ideas and next steps to help them make progress. And for folks who have found the bravery to take the next step or say what needs to be said, we wanna share the lessons they've learned and the benefits that they feel those actions have had on their career. Today, I'm excited to welcome as a guest to our show a colleague who found the bravery to say and do something on a couple of occasions that need to be said and done, and I hope you learn from his experience. Bruce Howell is the Accessibility Services Manager at the Carroll Center for the Blind in beautiful Newton, Massachusetts. Hello, Bruce. Hello, Ed. Thanks for having me. We are thrilled you are here. So as you know, this podcast is about being brave at work. And I'm just curious, when you think about bravery in the workplace, you know what words or phrases or observations might you have that can help people who are listening understand more about what bravery in the workplace might look
1: like. I think two things come to mind for me. One is that, first of all, bravery involves making a choice. Every day we face choices in our lives, and certainly uh, work setting is no different. And sometimes being brave is your decision to make a certain choice. The second piece of that, I believe, is that bravery means that you had to go out of your own comfort zone in order to do something or request something to happen. So to me, those are the two factors that I think largely define bravery.
0: Well, I love those because in my coaching practice, I work a lot of time with colleagues who have important choices they need to make, and they don't always realize that they even have a choice. And I tell folks that every day your life is filled with choices, you know, what you wore that day, what time you got up what route you took to work, which car you took, right? I mean, we make endless numbers of choices and so many of them are easy because there's not a conflict or an issue dependent upon which avenue that I might choose. And so I think I would agree with you that bravery sometimes encompasses bigger or more challenging issues and you have to choose to take the right path. So thank you for both of those observations. Sure. So let's jump right to it. I think you might have a couple of stories that you wanted to share with our listeners regarding being brave in the workplace. And so, take us through them.
1: Thanks, Ed. Um, yeah, I have two very different stories, but I thought they both might be interesting to your listeners. And there's certainly things that have changed the direction and route of my life in a couple of different ways. The first one was uh, many years ago in my first career. I was in retail banking and. There was a situation at one point where I was managing a bank branch, and probably I would define my best customer in terms of having the most money on deposit with us. was a regular visitor to my branch, but one day she told me that for some reason she needed to be in a different town and wanted to go into a branch of our bank in that town where she was not known. Her concern was, I don't want to go into that branch and have to go through the fifth degree about who I am, prove my identification. Is there something that you could do that would facilitate me being able to go in there and transact my business more easily? So being the good branch manager that I was, I said, sure, I would be happy to call the assistant manager in that other office because I knew she was going to be there the day the customer was going in. And I will provide enough descriptive information to her that she will have no problem figuring out who you are and then be able to serve you.
0: It all sounds so simple.
1: Exactly. Sounds very innocent. Sounds like the right thing for me to do, right? So in fact, however, I was young and did not necessarily use great judgment. So what I did is I called the assistant manager and I dutifully described my customer to her. But unfortunately, I described her in some rather unflattering ways that Referenced her size and referenced the what I believe I used gaudy appearance of jewelry that she wore. There were a couple other descriptive words that I won't share with our audience today because I'm not proud of them. And um, I think I made my point without going into further detail. But what I discovered, Ed, is uh, later on, um, not knowing this, that the assistant manager I was speaking with was dutifully writing everything down exactly verbatim on a piece of paper on her desk. So the next day when my customer, in fact, showed up at that branch and went right over to the assistant manager, assistant manager immediately was able to identify her based on my description, sat at the desk with her, figured out what it was the woman wanted to do for banking, absolutely said she could help her, got up, went back into the teller area to perform the transactions for her. Again, all sounds reasonable, sounds like it was working out well. What I found out later, though, was that the assistant manager, who had written down that lovely note with all the descriptive terms, left the piece of paper sitting right on her desk. So in the course of her being back in the teller area, the customer sitting there at her desk happened to be looking around and saw the piece of paper, read the description on it, and quickly recognized that it was me describing her in these very unflattering terms. You can imagine that she was very upset. And told the assistant manager so and left the bank in a huff. So what do you do with this? The assistant manager, of course, called me up immediately and let me know what had happened. I felt terrible, felt like my job was in jeopardy, really felt badly about my behavior and how I described my customer and recognized that that was um, just a really unfortunate choice of decisions that I had made about this. So here's where the bravery piece comes into it. What do you do in a circumstance like that? I chose to take two actions. First was to call directly the president of the bank. I felt that it was highly likely that this customer being as upset as she was, was probably going to reach out to him and undoubtedly reach out to him fairly quickly. So I felt like it was my responsibility to take that initiative and contact the president and describe to him without holding anything back, exactly what I had done and what had happened, knowing that that could jeopardize my employment at the bank, but recognizing that it was far better for me to be the one that informed him than for him to hear from the customer herself. That was one piece of the bravery. The second piece, and I thought was equally important, or perhaps even more important, this is years past, so emailing wasn't even a big thing at that point. So I actually wrote a letter to the customer and apologized for my behavior. And I guess asked for her forgiveness, although I knew I really didn't deserve it based on how I had described her. But for me, that was the second thing that involved bravery that I felt was the appropriate and right thing to do. Happy to report that I did retain my job and managed to continue my career with that bank for several years beyond that point. So again, it was the right thing to do and a really strong lesson for me to learn in terms of both behavior prior to doing something like that, as well as what my responsibilities were afterwards.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that story, Bruce. And I just want to echo the two things I heard that took bravery and they sound so simple in reflection. And yet at the time, calling and reaching out to the president of the bank to share what is essentially bad news or difficult news versus good news, Takes bravery because I would imagine the only time you want to talk with the president is to share happy news. And this wasn't happy news, but I think you recognize that he or she would hear about it at some point. And I think he or she heard about it before our customer reached him. Yes, that's true. Right. So it's always, always important. If there's anything that our listeners take away from the call, is you always want to be first in because if you're not first in, then you're in a more defensive mode. And that's a worser place to be in respect to a conversation. So it took bravery to reach out to the president with some news that was not flattering to yourself or to the bank. And then I think also taking the time to write a letter and send that to the customer is not something that you had to do, but felt like an appropriate step. And that required bravery as well. So once again, uh, Bruce, thanks for sharing that story. Sure. So you have uh, a second story, right? So why don't we uh, jump in and why don't you share that one with us?
1: Great. So the second one requires a little bit of explanation about me and who I am and things about me in order to set the stage for it. For full disclosure, I'm actually blind. At the time I was working in the bank, I was not blind, but I have a progressive eye disease that has gradually been getting worse throughout my life. So I'm now to the point where I'm well beyond being legally blind. I actually have very little remaining vision. But The story about bravery in the workplace really begins with that understanding that I was gradually losing my vision. This was after I'd worked at the bank. Um, I had done a number of other kind of occupational things, some full-time, some part-time. But as I lost vision, I was gradually doing less and less with my life. I was only working part-time and relying more and more on people like in my family, my wife, my daughter, to be my eyes for me, if you will. They were helping me to figure out things on the computer that I really couldn't see very well to do anymore. They were providing transportation. But again, as a result of losing that vision, my world was kind of withdrawing. I was withdrawing and it was getting smaller. I was doing less, going out less, and really not using my brain to its fullest capacity. So I guess the first step in bravery is that my wife, noticed this in me. My behavior was changing. My personality was changing and just was a strong believer in me and that there had to be some solutions for me to deal with my blindness, to figure out what that meant, what skills I needed to learn, what counseling I needed to deal with my disability, if you will. So I think in terms of being blindness, there are some things that are unique about that, but anybody facing challenges of disability or any kind of behavioral things that are affecting their lives needs to go through a similar kind of recognition of what that means and what they might need to do. So as a result of her sort of making this more clear to me, we sought out and found a place which actually turns out to be the place where I work now. The Carroll Center for the Blind is a rehabilitation agency that helps people who are blind or low vision to learn to accept their blindness and to learn the skills that they need to remain independent and be able to do things effectively. So I went to the Carroll Center for a um, rather lengthy residential independent living program back about 11 years ago, just around this time of the year, which is in the winter. And spent a total of 16 weeks there in a residential rehabilitation program. Sounds very long, but with blindness, there's a lot that you have to learn. You really have to start doing things entirely differently from the way you used to do it. So I successfully completed that program, went back out into the world, and fairly soon afterwards began to recognize, you know what, I want to be working again. I feel like I've got skills now and they've taught me what I need to know, but I need to put them into practice and I need to continue to improve. So I guess my first bravery was that after completing a second program at the Carroll Center, I was required to find an internship because that program was all about getting me ready to be back in the work world and improve my computer skills. I had to learn to use an assistive technology called a screen reader to interact with my computer successfully. And while they could teach me all these things and I could learn all the Microsoft applications like uh, Word, Excel, PowerPoints, Outlook for emailing, I still didn't know whether I actually had the ability to use those effectively enough to be in a competitive work setting. So one of the requirements of that program was to find an internship to practice these skills, if you will, to see if I was ready to be back in the workforce successfully. So I did uh, manage to find An internship and in my case it was right in downtown Boston. So that required that every day I figured out how to use public transportation to get myself in and out of Boston. That presented challenges in itself, which I now look back and think I can honestly say required bravery on my part. I every day I had to walk. I had to take a bus to a subway station and use a subway and get into downtown Boston. It involved finding my way out of that subway station, which is not a simple matter when you're blind, crossing a couple of streets in downtown Boston with heavy traffic and a lot of noise, and find my way to the building where I was working. In addition, in that building, it was a complex setup on two different floors of the building with multiple stairwells and multiple elevators, depending on which part of the building you needed to be in. And did I mention that I was the only blind employee out of 110 employees? So I think I set myself up some real challenges there, but I felt like this was an absolutely necessary step. If I was going to successfully be employed anywhere else, I needed to know that I could get myself to work safely, get home safely, figure out how to get around within the building to move around among my sighted co-workers there, and also to figure out what I needed to advocate for myself in order to be successful there. This involves some support from their tech people, make sure that my computer worked in the way that I needed it to work for me. When there was paperwork to be filled out, how was that going to be accomplished? So I guess in this setting, Ed, I would say that every day required some bravery for me. And again, I'm not unique, but people that are facing disabilities, or as my wife prefers that I say, they are differently abled, face these types of bravery every day to be successful in employment. It's not easy but the rewards are huge. And I successfully completed that internship. It eventually became paid employment part-time at first. And then finally, under grant funding, I was there working full-time, learning to use all my skills to do a job I'd never done before. I was actually leading a group of job developers who were trying to help people with all types of disabilities be prepared for and find employment opportunities. Eventually, when the grant funding ceased, there I was back out there on my own, trying to figure out, now what do I do? I know that I can do this. I know I have skills. I've proven that to both me and my coworkers and supervisors where I was doing that job, but I needed to find something else. And um, I used my networking and actually reached out to the president of the Carroll Center here in Newton and let him know that I believed I had successfully completed the programs that the Carroll Center had enrolled me in, that I had gone out and proven my ability to work in a setting where I was the only blind employee. And if there was anything at the Carroll Center where my skills and abilities would be helpful, then I would like for him to consider that. And the the other piece of that being that since the Carroll Center essentially gave me my life back, I thought, what a wonderful opportunity. If there was a chance for me to work at the Carroll Center and give back a little bit to others, then that would be a really satisfactory employment opportunity for me. And I'm happy to report that soon after that, there was an opportunity for me to come here to manage our web accessibility business. We call it accessibility services. and now been here for about seven and a half years, recognizing that as much as I thought I was ready, I still had to do a lot of learning. I've had to continually update my skills, be brave about asking for help when I needed it and getting accommodations that allowed me to successfully do the work that they're asking me to do. But I'm delighted to report that all that journey has paid off for me personally, and I hope for the Carroll Center and the clients that we serve as well.
0: Fantastic, Bruce. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And I have to believe that the amount of bravery that you show on a regular basis would take up about 10 to 15 podcast calls versus the uh, short time that we have today. But thank you so much for sharing that insight and observation. If folks want to get in touch with you, Bruce, if they have any questions or want to hear a little bit more about your experience, you have a phone number or an email address they can use?
1: Sure. I think the best way is to use my work email and phone number. So my email address would be my name. It's bruce.howell, H-O-W-E-L-L. At carol.org. And Carol is spelled C A R R O L L, two R's and two L's. So again, it's bruce.howell at carol.org. And our phone number at the Carol Center is 617 969 6200. Uh, We have a live receptionist, an actual human being. So he or she can put you through to my extension.
0: Great. And while we don't look to create in the moment, moments of bravery. If anybody feels that they need more information or any of the services of the Carroll Center, it might take some bravery to reach out and call. Yet we encourage you to strongly do it because they are a fantastic organization and can help put you in the right direction. So Bruce, thank you so much for your time today. I think your two stories were very interesting, demonstrated
1: tremendous bravery, and we really appreciate hearing them. Thanks, Ed. I really appreciate your asking me to do this and um, for people's interest in listening to it.
0: Terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. And we hope that you join us next Monday, where we will hear another real life story from a real life person about bravery that they have shown in the workplace that has helped them make progress both professionally and personally. Thank you.